fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Look at him, kid. To infinity and beyond! It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. It's not a tumor at all. So you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me, and my natural response could be to get offended. Well, fine, let's talk about it. Any thoughts of, of your own on this matter? Or do you, is that your thing? You come into a bar, you read some obscure passage, and then pretend you, you pawn it off as your own idea just to impress some girls? Just another American who saw too many movies as a child. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week, 30 years in the making. Hail to the chief, he's the one we all say hail to. We all say hail, cause he keeps himself so clean. <laughs> he's got the power, that's why he's in the shower. It is the 30-something movie podcast, we're not in the shower. Unlike one of our other favorite podcasts, The Greatest Generation, we do not do episodes in the bathtub. <laughs> yeah. And you're all welcome. Yes. I, first of all, I... The amount of times I sometimes have to wrestle with our equipment, there's no way I'm getting it anywhere near water. Mm -hmm. that's, that's all I'm saying about that. But yes, we are the 30-something movie podcast. As you can probably hear, I have my White House aides with me here. First one off is Bo Warmbold. Bo, how's it going? Well, John, and yourself? I'm doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I've also got Patrick Canigallo here. Pat, how's it going? Great, John. How you doing? Doing fine. Doing fine. As always, we're here talking about movies, so it's it's never a bad day when we get to talk movies. No, no, life is good. And we've got a fun one to talk about tonight. We've got the would you would you call it a dramedy, a drama comedy? Because it's like I was trying to explain this when we were getting ready to watch this, and my daughter was asking, like, "Well, so what's what is is it a comedy?" I'm like, "Well, I would probably just say comedy." Would you say comedy? Okay, I mean, but it's got some like serious, heavy moments. It does, but I think most comedies do. I, I I always have saved the dramedy title for stuff more like MASH, but okay. maybe I'm being too too persnickety with that. What is after MASH? Mer. <laughs> Charo. <laughs> I'll take swords for six hundred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I'll buy a dozen. Anyway, ooh, that was a that was a tangent. Yeah, been there. Mm -hmm. Things took a turn. They did, they, as did. they often. All right, so spoiler alert: we spoil freely here, so just kind of be warned. We, as we talk movies, we may talk about other politically minded movies, and uh, we may just spoil as we talk. So this is your warning. Make sure you visit our website, thirtypodcast.com, where you can leave a rating, leave a voicemail, become a co-executive producer via Patreon, where you get all kinds of extra bonus episodes. As of the time of this recording, there are probably close to. There's probably a little over 30 bonus episodes that are over there. So any amount of support over there on Patreon for less than the price of a cup of coffee a day, you can support us over on Patreon and get bonus episodes. And if you're not there, I mean, it's there's some really good stuff over there. So head on over there if you want to get some bonus stuff. And it helps us out, too. So we just, everything we get, we put back into the show for different hosting costs and, and things like that. And, you know, if we if we build up enough in there and cover our hosting costs and everything else, then obviously we start looking towards upgrading equipment and, and things like that. So 
all of the stuff that we get over there goes back into benefiting the show. And if you're enjoying the show, that's a great way to support. Another great way to support is just tell people about the show. If you've got some friends and you're like, hey, there's these goofy guys that talk about movies every week. And if you're driving in your car and you got 45 minutes to an hour and 20 minutes, throw them on there. Because if there's a movie you enjoy that's somewhere in between 1984 and 1993 at this point, we've probably covered it. Because we have, what is this, episode 454? Mm. Yes, we're on episode 454 for this one. So we, we have quite a few. Like if you're going on a long trip or four, you probably have enough time to listen to all of our different episodes. So totally. pop it in there. I don't necessarily play us at like 1.75 speed because I, I don't know how I sound as a chipmunk. I don't know about that. I don't know. That might be kind of weird. But either way. So our movie this time around is Dave from 1993. Before we get into that, though, before we get into the actual movie itself, this is the first episode of the month. Our theme this month is what's in a name. All of our episodes have names in the title of the movie, and uh, this is our first one. So typically when we start off a month, we are jumping in the DeLorean. We are heading back to 1993, and we're heading to February of 93. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour... You're gonna see some serious. All right, February 3rd. Here's some news items here. February 3rd, the federal trial of four police officers charged with civil rights violations in videotaped beating of Rodney King begins in Los Angeles, California. February 3rd of 1993. February 11th of 93, President Clinton elects Janet Reno to be the first female U.S. Attorney General. And I apologize greatly, but the only image I have in my head is of Will Ferrell playing Janet Reno on Saturday Night Live. Welcome to Janet Reno's dance party. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure she was a lovely lady, but it's that's pretty much what's in my head anytime I think of Janet Reno. On February 24th, 1993, the 35th Grammy Awards, Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton, wins the Grammy Award. Okay. February 26th, the World Trade Center bombing of 1993. Truck bomb explodes in the parking garage of the New York City World Trade Center at 12.18 p.m., killing six and injuring over 1,000 in what was the deadliest act of terrorism perpetrated on U.S. soil at the time. Spoiler alert, it's not anymore. Same place, different time. And then finally, for top news, on February 28th, a gun battle erupts near Waco, Texas at the Branch Davidian compound after the FBI attempts a raid. All right. Mm. Top books for February of 93, The Bridges of Madison County by Robert James Waller was the top book back then. Top movies, there were three of them over the course of February of 93, Loaded Weapon 1, Groundhog Mm. Day, and Falling Down. Oh, I think we might be covering Loaded Weapon 1 later this year. I believe Um, we are, and I think Falling Down as well. We are also doing doing Groundhog Day, so all of these will be covered. Groundhog Day, we will cover over and over over and over again. And then we'll tell two friends, and they'll tell two friends, and so on and so on. And then the top song for the rest of our lives, the top song will be I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. I think I looked at it, and it, it will span probably at least the next couple of months. That's that that had some staying power, if I remember correctly. Yeah. It, it went on for a bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
All right, a little trivia pursuit for you. The title of our movie is Dave. It came out on the 7th of May, 1993. If you recall from all the way back last week, if you can remember that far back, we were talking about Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, also came out on the 7th of May, 1993. So these are direct competitors with each other. Rated PG-13 with a runtime of one hour and 50 minutes. Directed by Mr. Ivan Reitman, who actually died last year in 2022. He also directed Animal House and Ghostbusters. Writer was Gary Ross, who did The Hunger Games and Pleasantville. We're okay. We're in a bowling alley. We're totally safe. Producers for this one were Ivan Reitman and Lauren Schuler Donner. Reitman did Up in the Air and Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Donner did Logan and Deadpool. Music for this one by James Newton Howard, who did the TV series Willow, which I actually just, we started watching the first episode. I hadn't had a chance to watch it yet. Started the first episode today. So I have not. I was sort of stuck in a in a rewatch of an old show and now that finished so okay willow is next i if you're watching it with anyone because my first thought i wanted to watch it but i was like ah i don't know that we have time right now i would like to watch it this morning but i also want to go back and watch the movie before going into the yeah i kind of wondered about that so i will give you a quick heads up not necessary because okay good when we were going to start watching the show, I was like, all right, well, we don't have time to watch the two-hour movie right now. So let me go to a YouTube video, see if I can find somebody that does like a recap of the movie Willow. I found a 10-minute video that did a recap of the movie Willow, and, and everybody's up to speed, and we're all good. And then we start watching the show. The first three minutes of the first episode of the Willow TV series recaps the entire recaps. movie and does it better yeah. than the 10-minute YouTube video did. Check. So. So if you're worried that you're going to watch this with your family or anyone else who has not seen the Willow movie, don't worry about it. They take care of you. They got you. They got you. So, yes. So James Newton Howard did the music for the Willow TV series. He also did the music for the Hunger Games and the Fugitive. Cinematography was done by Adam Greenberg, who did Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and Ghost. Editor was Sheldon Kahn, who did Out of Africa and Ghostbusters 2. Budget was $28 million, box office $92 million. Flick Metrics gives it a 72%, and Cinema Score gave it an A-. Starring Kevin Klein, who plays Dave Kovic and Bill Mitchell. It was Fish Called Wanda and French Kiss. Sigourney Weaver played Ellen Mitchell. She was in the Alien movies and Avatar. Frank Langella played Bob Alexander. He was in Robot and Frank and Masters of the Universe. Kevin Dunn played Alan Reed. He was uh, no relation. He was in Transformers and Warrior. Ving Rhames, no relation. Play- <laughs> but that's the one that got you? Well, sometimes I try to hold it all in and let you get through this part, but, you know, sometimes I just can't do it. Okay. What does Ving Rhames look like? <laughs> <sighs> he played Dwayne Stevenson. He was in Fault Fiction and Mission Impossible movies. Ben Kingsley was Vice President Nance. He was in Gandhi and Schindler's List. Charles Grodin, who died in 2021, played Murray Blum. He was in Beethoven and Midnight Run. Faith Prince played Alice. She was in The Last Dragon and Spin City. Laura Linney was Randy. She was in Lorenzo's Oil and the Truth. Yes, she was. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Bonnie Hunt was the White House tour guide. We're walking. We're walking. Walking. Walking here. On your left, you will see Jumanji and Jerry Maguire were movies that she was in. That does it for the cast. So real quick, a little bit of trivia on here. I I just had one that I wanted to throw in here real fast. Actually, a couple of them real quick. Kevin Klein actually got the part after this was offered to Warren Beatty and Kevin Costner, and they both turned it down. Hmm. I feel like that's a much different movie. Yeah, I'm not feeling the comedy vibes from those guys as much. 
No, not so much at all. Not the comedy yeah. vibe and, and, and not the singing, not the breaking out into song vibe either. That's that's fair. Not so much. No. But then the other one I wanted to share, uh, the only other trivia that I've got in here before we get on into talking about the, the synopsis and, and the trailer and the major moments and everything else, is this is loosely based on, or can be considered loosely based on, in the autumn of 1919, about two years into Woodrow Wilson's second term, he suffered a stroke that left him semi-paralyzed, partly blind, and mentally incapacitated to an extent that is a century later still not completely known. The 25th Amendment, which establishes the procedures for responding to this kind of situation, had not yet been ratified. So instead, Woodrow Wilson, instead of him simply resigning and passing the presidency to his vice president, whose name was Thomas Marshall, what happened was they kept the extent of his illness secret, and his second wife, Edith, started running the executive branch of the U.S. government in his place. How very like a monarchy that we tried to avoid. You know, look at that. I was going to say, so that, that someone that no one elected. Right. Gerald Ford. I mean, what? <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the 30-something political podcast. Yeah, well, we're going to try to stay away from food today, maybe, and just stick to politics. Well, that's really Ooh. So, something slightly less, slightly less controversial. Yeah. Yeah. Pot stickers or house bill? No. <laughs> Pot stickers. Okay. But do you like them crunchy? No. All right. So synopsis, we'll give you the synopsis. We'll give you the trailer, and then we will hop into some major moments here. So in, in my best Don LaFontaine, in a world where politics and power collide, one man must rise to the challenge and become the leader of a nation. Dave, a mild-mannered temp agency owner, is suddenly thrust into the role of president of the United States when the real president falls into a coma. But as Dave begins to lead the country, he finds that the job is not as easy as it seems. With the help of a dedicated staff and a newfound sense of purpose, Dave must navigate the treacherous world of politics and prove that one person can make a difference. Starring Kevin Klein, Sigourney Weaver, and Frank Langella, Dave, the comedy that will have you laughing and cheering as one man becomes a true leader. Hail to the chief, he's the one we all say hail to. Dave Kovic was an ordinary guy. Mr. Kovic, your government needs your help. We just happened to look like the president. You're a very handsome man. Thank you, Mr. President. Just get rid of the grin. You look like a schmuck. Dave, something has happened to the president. What about the vice president? The vice president is mentally unbalanced. Is this legal? Oh, I think so. Yes. Suddenly, Dave has a great job. I can't tell you the whole story. It's not a national emergency kind of thing, but you got to help me cut the budget a little. You got to cut the budget. He has a great house. Do I need to tell nine? Who does these books? I mean, if I ran my business this way, I'd, I'd be out of business. And he has a great wife. Why can't you die from a stroke like everybody else? She hates me. Yes. And the amazing thing is, everyone loves him. God bless you. God bless America! President Mitchell lately, huh? Has this guy been having too many Happy Meals for lunch or what? Kevin Klein, the Academy Award-winning star of A Fish Called Wonder. I once caught a fish this 
Sigourney Weep. I'm talking to you. Will you please turn around? You know, if you want to be the same old selfish. From Ivan Wright, the director of Ghostbusters, Twins, and Kindergarten Cop. Before we get started, a couple things I'd like to go over in the budget. Mr. President. Yes? I'm going to kill him. You can't kill a president. He's not a president. He's an ordinary person. I can kill an ordinary person. In a country where anybody can become president. Anybody just did. Kevin Klein. Sigourney Weaver. Make a nice president, Dave Cooley. Dave. Okay, let's get back to work. False alarm, I'm fine, everything's fine. All right. Major moments in this one. I am calling the first major moment doppelganger in chief. This is when we first get a sense of Dave as a presidential impersonator. We also find that he is running this temp agency and does wheels and deals in order to get people jobs and is very good at it. And we're also kind of getting some little flashes of a, a sense of how our actual president, Bill Mitchell, is behaves in certain ways that he may not be the greatest guy in the world. And their worlds ultimately kind of collide when they need to call upon, or they, they happen to spot him, and they need to call upon Dave to be a presidential impersonator for the actual president himself. And while the president is off tending to, let's say, quote unquote, matters of national security, they need Dave to look like he is the president leaving a speech, getting into his car and driving away while the actual president is checking into a hotel room with one of his secretaries. So that is major moment number one. Very quickly, we get the whole kind of pivotal moment of this movie in which the actual president, while enjoying some time with his secretary, then has a massive stroke and is ultimately left comatose. And Bill, who they were driving back home, they do a quick turnaround, head back to the cottage, which I think is one of the funniest code words for the White House. They head back to the cottage and they cook up this plan. Bob Alexander, his chief of staff, cooks up this plan that, well, I... I've worked too hard to get this president where he is, and I'm not giving this up to the vice president, who's, they keep calling him the Boy Scout. I've worked too hard for this. I am not letting this go. We've got this impersonator. We'll just, we'll use him. We'll make everybody think he's the president. And a major moment number two is the Bill Mitchell crash course. And that is where they start to teach Dave how he can impersonate the president. Thankfully, they can kind of use the example of, or they use the situation of he's had a stroke, so maybe he's going to be off just a little bit. But otherwise... Totally healthy, totally fine. We will feed him lines, and then he can he can just do everything we tell him to do, and and it'll be totally fine. And then eventually, within a few weeks, he can they can get the vice president to resign because they're going to imply that he was involved in in a little bit of corruption, and then they can appoint Bob Alexander to be vice president, and then ultimately he will the the president the Dave president will then resign and allow Bob Alexander himself to become president of the United States. So, everybody got that shell game? We're all clear on what's going on here now? Yep, oh, Bob's a schmuck. Clear. Okay, Bob is a schmuck. Yeah, This is not a Bob you want to be. If you remember the movie Career Opportunities, I want to be Bob Bosenbeck. I don't want to be Bob Alexander. Yeah, Bob Alexander, schmuck. Yeah. 
Yeah. Number three, major moment number three, I'm calling You Like Me, You Really Like Me, where he starts to just kind of be himself as he's the president and he's, he's playing with the dogs on the lawn and he's actually interacting with people. And we had the funny scene from the trailer of him working the robotic arms in the manufacturing plant. I once caught a fish this big. Mm-hmm. And then oddly enough, I want to say in a deleted scene, Sigourney Weaver runs over there and says, get away from her, you and grabs the robotic yeah. arms and starts fighting. That, <laughs> that would have been a great deleted scene. I think it would have, and I, I think we should uh, we should make that happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, what any, are we waiting for? Any movie where there's anything even remotely resembling a power loader, I think that Sigourney Weaver needs to start a fight. Yeah. Which little little trivia moment in here that I did not share when we were talking about the trivia, the reason that her hair is so short is because this is, I believe, the next movie she did after Alien 3. Yeah, that would make sense. I had not thought about that, but sure. Still grown back. Still grown grown back from the shaved head look. Major moment number four is the first lady. He very quickly finds out that things are not well in Camelot, and they don't necessarily get along with each other. They don't even like each other at this point. And that kind of makes him a little sad. He's a little disappointed in that. But he also realizes that if he is not going to be around her very much, then he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to act as much. He doesn't have to be quite as careful about what he has, to, what he says, because he kind of figured, well, if anybody's going to notice that I'm not him, it'll be the first lady. Well, they don't spend enough time around each other to to notice any of that. So, for the most part, at the beginning, she really, other than maybe thinking he's a little off from having had the stroke, she really doesn't notice anything either until we get a few little scenes here and there when he's kind of checking out her leg in the car she's like when she she says later in the movie she's like it was it was that moment because he he didn't look at me that way for a really long time and of course he was like well i thought maybe it was the shower (laughs) yeah no (laughs) no not really no a major moment or five is dave strikes back And this is where he has some things that he wants to get done. And he realizes that Bob Alexander has been vetoing some things behind his back. And, of course, there's the dilemma of, well, he's not really the president. uh, But also, (laughs) Bob Alexander is also not the president. So we have a little bit of a moral dilemma here. And Dave really wants to. He he went and visited with his quote-unquote wife, the first lady. He went and visited some of the homeless kids and really wanted to... I think he really made a connection there and he never would have vetoed the bill that would give more funding to those schools. But Bob Alexander kind of does that behind his back and makes a comment at one point and says, look, if you can cut 600 and whatever million dollars from the budget, then you get to keep them. You get to keep your schools and you get to keep your funding for that. And uh, he kind of means it flippantly, but Dave is like, "Mm, all right, well, let me call up, let me call up a Charles Grodin, my accountant buddy. And I'll bring him over to the White House. We'll get some. We'll get some bratwurst, and we'll work this stuff out. And uh, so there is the funny scene where they're kind of working through the books, and and then the cabinet meeting later on when he's looking around at each of the cabinet members, and he's like, "Hey, you you paid like forty seven million dollars for this. Do we really need that? No, I guess not. All right, cool. Well, there's forty seven million, and just kind of going around the table and and making all the little cuts they need to make and all that. Number six. Bob Alexander throws everyone under the bus because Dave fires him with the understanding that, well, now that he's gone, I, I can just kind of keep going with what I'm doing and, and it'll all be fine. And, well, Bob decides that he's going to kind of tell what he knows. And originally they had set it up so that the vice president would be the one that would get thrown under the bus for this corruption. And uh, it was the, was it First Liberty Savings and Loan, I think is what it was yeah. called. 
And Very so, reminiscent of Whitewater. Yes. Yes. And so originally they were going to use it to kind of sabotage the vice president. And Bob Alexander comes out and says, well, originally when this came out, we thought it was the vice president. It actually goes up much further. I have evidence that it was the president himself. Well, so then we kind of realized that things are not looking great. And at this point, anything that Dave as Bill Mitchell would want to get done is pretty much going to be mired in all of this political game playing. And so he calls for a joint session of Congress. And at that joint session, he brings out all of this documentation that says, well, hey, yes, I did all of these things. The vice president did none of these things. And I have documentation, documented evidence that shows Bob Alexander was also the one that helped me pull all this together and, and many times planned a lot of this. And we have that funny scene where Bob Alexander had everybody over at this house and they're all watching the TV. And, and you then cut to the scene where suddenly he is sitting alone in the house and it's just it's such a funny way to to that's just great yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh bob oh bobby something ain't right with that chief of staff mm-hmm. so at the joint session of congress then he also we we see he has a bit of a relapse and seems to have a stroke again and collapses right there in congress as he's giving his speech and we find out pretty quickly that they have now switched bodies, that they have then out of the, they've wheeled him into the ambulance and then out of the ambulance wheels the actual Bill Mitchell, who was still in a coma the entire time. And Dave is able to disguise himself as an EMT and kind of walks off Kung Fu style into the, into the distance. And uh, the Lonely Man theme playing from the old Incredible Hulk TV series as he's walking away there. And uh, then we kind of find out that it's it's been about, what do we say, it's about four or five months later. The president, Bill Mitchell, has died. Vice President, Vice president Nance has been instated as the president. And uh, we see Dave is back at his offices, the temp agency. But now he's running, it looks like he's running for Congress or he's running for a... City oh, council, I believe. City council? Okay, he's running for city council. I knew it wasn't, it wasn't like U.S. Congress. It was something smaller. He's running for a local political positions because he knows he can help people if he gets everybody works on monday everybody works on monday everybody works on wednesday everybody works on monday i'm sure it's probably every day of the week uh, mm -hmm. works. and the fun part at the end of the movie is in a little bit of a disguise the first lady comes in and meets him there under the guise that she's there to volunteer but she's really there to see him and we, we end the movie with them closing the blinds to his office as they embrace and our buddy Dwayne the Secret Service agent steps in in front of the office door to block it and, and quote-unquote, take a bullet for Dave. So, that was uh, a great touch to the movie. I love that. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, so any major moments that I missed? The only other one I could think of, the only other scene that I didn't really talk about that I could think of is the scene where they are, where they sneak out and they're driving in the car and they get pulled over by the police. Oh, yeah. That is hysterical. And then the, You're great. Very work. Yeah, she needs some work. <laughs> I love that. This whole movie is so fun. Yeah. All right. It's always been a favorite of mine. Yeah. All right. Let's get into let's get in some deeper thoughts here. And now, deep thoughts. I have an opinion on this matter. Don't mince words, Bones. What do you really think? I like it a lot. Wow. It's, it's very deep. Thank you. All right. So I, we've already started to comment a little bit on it. Do you like this movie? 
I think the, it's a resounding yes from all of us. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Do you recall the first time you saw it? You know, that is a capital question that I wish I had a better answer to for you. I, I'm sure we rented it mm-hmm. soon after it came out. Like, it's it's fun. And I've seen it so much that I have a feeling it was an early watch. Okay. I I would agree with Bo with with my family. I think we either saw it in the theater or rented it as soon as it came out, and it was a very popular with the family. I I don't know how much we ever repeat watched movies, but I remember watch I've watched it a handful of times, but definitely a popular one with the family. Yeah, I know for us we would have watched it. I believe we probably watched it fairly soon after. It would have come out. I don't know that we would have seen it in the theater, but I feel like this was a rental, maybe like a, a Friday night pizza and a movie kind of a night, you know, picking it up at Blockbuster not long after it came out. But I remember watching this a few times, not not regularly, but I do remember enough of it that we watched it probably two or three times, you know, throughout throughout the years growing up. Definitely. I don't remember if we were recording yet when I when I mentioned it, but my wife watched this many times. She's seen this movie a lot. She can quote whole portions of it. You know, her parents were in local politics and so i think they really enjoy this movie i know especially her mom really enjoyed this movie and so she she would have watched this growing up when she was a kid as well so probably saw it i don't know if she saw it in the theater but at the very least they they would have seen this pretty regularly i think her her parents had this on vhs so they probably watched it quite a bit growing up but to your point it's it's just it's a fun movie it is such a fun movie it's a fun scenario you know you when you're in school you're always taught everybody anybody could become president like that's the thing about the American system is we're not a monarchy. We're not anything like that. It's that you don't have to be part of the royal family to become president. Anybody can run for president and be voted for president. And, you know, maybe you learn a little bit more about the system that we have later on in life and realize that, yeah, yeah I don't know if that's completely true. But as long as you got enough money, sure, then you can become president. Anybody can become student council president. There you go. I would say that is true long as you run off enough flyers and put them around the school yeah but yeah that's kind of always the that's the scenario right it's like we live in a democracy so sure any any person living in this country could run for president they could become the president and so almost by default i think as americans and and uh, you know in other places where you also have democracies i think the idea is oh i got good ideas why couldn't my good ideas be elevated to this level and so i think to a certain degree we all have a sense that if we actually saw what the job was i don't think we could all do it but you know i think we have a sense of that well i've got sure i could i could be the president i could tell people what to do and enact some policies Mm -hmm. and do all that stuff so so it's kind of a fun it's kind of a fun alternate universe scenario where an average joe gets to become the president yes it reminds me a little bit, and and having watched that one recently because we covered it, it was either last year or the year before when we did King Ralph. Like this time around, mm-hmm. it kind of reminded me of of a bit of the King Ralph piece. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So I was kind of I was remembering some of those parts, like where he tries to sneak out and and you know go on the date and and do things like that, but he can't because he's king of England. And then ultimately it needs to be, he, he needs to abdicate and, and give the throne to somebody who's going to continue to do a better job than him. And, you know, so there's a lot of, a lot of some of the parallels between that movie and this one, but do you guys have a favorite part of this movie? Like what's, what's most memorable about this? When you, when you saw this was coming up on the list, like what, what, what flashed in your mind? What reminded you of this movie? 
You got anything, Bo? I think when he's when he just ad libs early, God bless and God bless America, like that. It's for some reason, I think because it's Kevin Klein, that sort of just sticks out in my head, you know. So if I had to pick one, it's probably that. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I just remember Kevin Klein. He's just, and he plays it so well, but he just plays the president as just, or I'm sorry, as Dave, the stand-in president, as just a good man. He's just a good human being. And I mean, that's cool. And then that's the piece that stands out to me is that it's almost, almost to the point, well, I don't want to seem na- naive. But just he just plays such a, like a good guy that just like I'm gonna just keep doing the right thing and he's not a pushover, you know. Yeah, it's just it, that's what I think of when I think of this movie is just the Kevin Klein character and portrayal. He's not the president we deserve, but he's the president we need right now. Is that what you're trying to say? Exactly. <laughs> he's not the president we deserve, but he's the one we got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, that's the thing too, is that when you when you think too hard, you're like no matter which no matter which way you vote, when you think too hard about the people that tend to get in the position of commander in chief, mm-hmm. I'm sure that they have I'm sure that they've involved themselves in either some questionable things or whatever to get to that point. You know, and, and you kind of always have this dream of some of those presidents, like you, you look back and you say, They seem like they would have been like a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. And, and I use guy just because we haven't had a female president yet, but they they seem like they could be a really nice guy. But then I don't know. Do you do you really want to get to know him too well and kind of find out what they're really like? Whereas in this, it's like no, he he's genuinely a really nice guy, and it's kind of like what you wish, you know, d- despite any corruption or or questionable stuff, it's kind of what you wish your leader would be. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I was reading through some of the reviews, and I read Ebert's Roger Ebert's report, and it was it was funny because he was talking about the movie, and he's speaking about it and everything, and he says well, you just find yourself because the movie portrays it as you know, as a simple solution. Being a good person is a large part of the solution for whatever the problems are. You know, you can just think, and there's always like an easy way kind of to work its way out. Not easy, but like a simple way. I'm, I'm not paraphrasing well, but that's kind of the gist of what he says is that that's, that's what the movie tells you. And he says, he goes on to, to imply, like, I know that the real life is not that simple, but you just find yourself wishing it was. Sure. Yeah. You know, I think for me, one of my favorite scenes in the movie is, is actually this, I love the cabinet scene when they're going around and they're trying to cut stuff from the budget and all that. But one of the other ones is kind of a very simple scene. And it's where he's in the briefing room and he's standing there at the podium. Mm-hmm. And these two guys who have spent all of their time with the president, they're like, okay, when you hear, you just stand here and you got the, you got the teleprompter and you just put your hands, where should I put my hands? Well, put your hands here. Well, but he puts his hands here, but except for when he gives this kind of a speech, when he's standing at a podium, he's going to put both hands on the, po- and the guys are like, no, 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 I don't think so. He does it. No, no, no. And then he starts like quoting the speech back. And then there's that fun little moment where he's, he's looking right at, oh, what's the other guy's name? Alan. Alan, the speechwriter guy. Yeah. Yeah. He looks right at him and he goes, he goes, I, I love that speech that he gave. And he goes, I, I wrote that speech. He's like, you wrote that? That was great. And it was just like a moment of just like, 
I don't know that the actual Bill Mitchell would have ever told his speechwriter, hey, that, that was an awesome speech. Thank you so much for writing that. And and to have mm-hmm. some complete stranger to, to quote his speech back to him, you know, you could just tell right at that moment he was like, wow, like I I actually inspired somebody. Like I actually, I actually did something good. And that you could tell like in this administration, maybe nobody had ever told Al that he did a great job. Right. Yeah. So it was just genuinely, and that's one of the great things about the character of Dave is that working in the temp agency, being the way that he is, like kind of the nurturing way that he is, is he's kind of naturally that way around everybody. And and so the the imagination piece is, well, what if you had a president that could enact all the policies, that could do all these things, but was also nurturing and kind and, and all of these things and actually a charming person? Mm-hmm. So I think that moment, and then it ends that moment with he sees the the White House pen that's on the podium. He's like, "Can I keep this?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yes, you you basically can pick up the phone and and call for whatever room service you want. Uh, you could probably keep a White House pen. And that's the best part is when he's in the when he's in the thing, he picks up the phone, and yeah. he just picks it up, and it doesn't even get to his ear. Yes, Mr. President, Fine. nothing, no, nothing. Nothing, just checking. No, there's there's so many fun movie, fun moments in this movie, and and just the the way Kevin Klein plays it perfectly. Like I said, I, there were a couple other people. I think it was Warren Beatty and and Kevin Costner that this had been mm-hmm. offered to first, and I, that's a very different movie if you put either. Right. Right. Not to say it couldn't be good with either one of them, but it's just a it's a very different movie than than a Kevin Klein movie. Yeah, Kevin Klein really makes this thing happen and then sigourney weaver she does such a great job as the first lady and i think it's just such a great fit between the two of them mm-hmm. yes the other obvious irony to this is that you the the turning point of the movie is that the president is having an affair with one of his secretaries and then of course just what maybe like two years later we have an mm-hmm. actual <laughs> we have an actual yeah. affair scandal in the white house right and so like the, the irony of that, because then you then you kind of mix in like some of the other movies that came out around this time, you know, don't deal necessarily with that as as part of their story. But, you know, you have the American president, you have I think primary colors dealt with that a little bit more because that was supposed to be more of a almost kind of like a, a Bill Clinton adjacent type story. Right. Well, and didn't it focus a little bit more on some of the other scandals, too? Yeah. Yeah, because it's been a while since I've seen that. I think it was supposed to be that he was still a governor and that he was running for president. Right. And then you've got, what was that other one that came out around the time? Wag the Dog was another one. Ah, such a great movie. Yeah. So this was, the 90s was a good time for uh, for political dramas and comedies. And you look back on it now with the politics of what we have now, and you can almost look back knowing it's a Hollywood portrayal of it, but you look back almost wistful and lonesome, nostalgic uh-huh. for a time when that's how we thought of politics. Right. You know, that it, it well, in some of these, I'm looking specifically at Dave, but you know, like a good person can motivate people to come together that will motivate consensus and let's all move forward together. Yeah. One of the other fun things about this movie is the fact that, and this is a little bit of a tip of the hat to one of our other favorite podcasts, the Greatest Generation podcast, is the fact that they actually have 
several McLaughlin groups. Issue one. And with the actual <laughs> McLaughlin. And so I was going to ask you guys, of all of the million and one cameos that are in this movie, which one is your favorite? Oh, wow. You've got Jay Leno. You've got Ben Stein. You've got Arnold Schwarzenegger. You've got... I think the Ben Stein one is great for the subtlety of it. Yeah. Like, Ben, come on in. Like, there's not much to it. It's just there. Arnold Schwarzenegger is fun. As an NPR guy, Nina Totenberg is really cool. Mm. I think the Arnold Schwarzenegger one is funny. I think that might be one of my one of my favorite ones. I will say, watching the Greatest Generation, the McLaughlin one definitely has a special place in my heart right. for different. I don't know if it was the best one, but just seeing it sort of puts a smile on my face, you know. And who was it, I'm trying to remember now, who was it that used to do the McLaughlin? Was it Dana Carvey that played John McLaughlin when they used to do that on Saturday Night Live? Ooh. I feel like it was Dana Carvey. Let's see if I can find out. Because even before, even before Greatest Generation, that was how I kept kind of remembering the McLaughlin group. Sure looks like Dana Carvey. <laughs> yeah. Because he'd always ask a question, and he's like, <laughs> what was the... Issue three, is there life after death or something like that? Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just always remember him talking to Pat Buchanan as Pat Buchanan win. Yeah. Get the nicknames for the guys. Patty, Patty Buchanan not win. And he'd always like make up a longer nickname. Jack Germando. I want to know. But he'd always, they were... he'd always follow it up with, he'd always ask a question. He's like, what's the likelihood? That... One of them, I think, was like, what's the, what's the likelihood that there is life after death? Or something like that, and everybody's he's like from on a scale of one to ten, what's the likelihood? And and uh, and somebody's like five, I think it would be nine. I think it's eight. Wrong. The actual degree of likelihood is like a six and a half. Issue number three. <laughs> but he always followed up with wrong. Right, right. You know what? I all the cameos. I love seeing all the senators. You know, Paul Simon. I'm like, oh yeah, back in the day, Paul. Oh Senator. yeah, good call. There's a bunch of senators. And there's one senator in particular that's like the guy that goes out there that say, hey, what do you think of the new Bill Mitchell initiatives? And he's just like, this guy's out to lunch. Da, 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 da. <laughs> he, he talks about carrying the water for him. And he, he's like the Gunga one. Din. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, well, obviously the guy agreed to the cameo and to say the line. But he's being portrayed as like the negative. Do you know what I'm saying? When yeah. back in the day, like you, you kind of, that's not, this movie was playing on the whole, hey, we can come together. So I, I'm kind of like, I, I, and again, it was a nonsensical thing, but how would you want to be the guy up there saying, man, this guy's out to lunch. This guy's crazy. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that was, right. that was pretty, I, I just find that interesting that that, that that Senator agreed to that. Yeah. I'm still stuck on the old Saturday Night Live McLaughlin groups. <laughs> I actually found a transcript of one of them. Oh, dear. Wrong. There is life after death. The soul does not ascend to heaven, but rather rests in a limbo state that varies depending on the karma of the spirit. Issue number four. Intelligent beings on other planets. Yes or no? Pat Buchanan. I think so. Eleanor Clift. I don't know. Jack Germond. Me neither. <laughs> Mortontown. 
Well, nobody really knows. Wrong! There is intelligent life in the 11th galaxy on the planet Neptar, which will conquer Earth in the year 5482, utilizing us for slave labor in their Chelonian salt mines. Issue number five. What number am I thinking of? Pat Buchanan. <laughs> 82. Wrong! Correct answer is 134. Issue six. I'm even thinking back to that with nostalgia. You know, we laugh because, and it's being lampooned and he's being critical and all that, but that, wait, do I remember it right? Like the McLaughlin group was like, people would talk and let you finish and you'd get the, oh, come on, really? You think yeah. this? You know, but it was actually an exchange of ideas. It was you know McLaughlin and McNeil Lair, right? Was the other one? Yeah. Yeah. But it is, I think with the, without, without trying to start a political debate with anybody, I think, as you mentioned, one of the biggest differences now is you go back and you rewatch some of these, some of these political movies or, or at least political adjacent movies from the eighties, the nineties, the, even the early two thousands. And there's still a sense of, oh, we could work together. Like a, a civility. Yeah, like even if you disagree, there's some civility and it just it feels like now like there's no there's no civility and there's no nobody is going to work together regardless of whether something's a good idea, no matter what side of the aisle you're on. You know, there's there's kind of a feeling of like, well, no, they're the enemy. Like, well, mm -hmm. no, <laughs> you, you all work at the same workplace. You all work in the same building. He tasks me. Tasks me. Mm -hmm. She'll have him. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, this is such a this is such a fun movie. It's a fun movie. It's a fun throwback to when when political movies were fun. I can't even think of a political movie that's come out lately because I imagine people don't want to touch that with a forty foot pole. Yeah, it certainly isn't. Have there been any recently? I don't feel like I can think of any. No, just some of the some of the conspiracy docu quote unquote documentary stuff of the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't really count. Yeah. Ah, be, before we before we move into our three questions for this one, issue two, I wanted to mention really quickly because I forgot to do it on our last episode. And since we know that in this movie, his approval rate, ratings went up quite a bit when he became the president after original president went comatose. Apparently, we might have gone comatose and replaced with other hosts because I was going to mention to you guys that we we moved up into like the top 100 of a film history podcasts on the U.S. Oh. podcast store. Top, uh, we were like top seventy-five there for a little bit, and uh, we were top fifty in Ireland, and we were in the top. I want to say maybe top two hundred or something like that in the Great Britain store. We might still be number three in Latvia. I don't remember. Wow! Oh. Well, since I looked, I, we were number three in Latvia there. For that's what she's. That's what you can call getting on with the program. So you know, it's it, we're 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 moving on up, man. So it's kind of fun. Do we have anything else before we get into our three questions? We got anything else we want to talk about? Just it's a fun movie. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. There is a whole slew of similar political movies that kind of came out within the years of the '90s, kind of around this time. I another thing I will mention. 
I have started putting up, and, and I will, I think these are getting tweeted out when they get released. I have started putting up some, some brief little blog posts on our website about each of our movies before they come out. So those posts will come out on Tuesdays, and our episodes usually come out on Wednesdays. And a lot of times what I've been doing, at least for the last few, is I've been sharing some lists of, if you like this movie, you may want to go check out these similar movies. So for, for Dave in particular, I think I listed out, you know, the American president. Oh, I can even tell you real quick, but you might want to go check out that, check out that blog post. I listed out, if you like this one, you might like the American president, primary colors, man of the year is one where Robin Williams runs for president and uh, as a joke. Mm-hmm unexpectedly wins head of state with chris rock and then one from the 70s called being there that peter sellers is a kind of a simple-minded gardener who becomes a powerful political advisor so a bunch of movies out there so I've, I've started doing that so like the day before our episodes come out there will be a blog post on our website you can find it on twitter i'll, I'll usually post it up there and, and maybe facebook as well that'll have some other recommendations if you want to check out some similar movies very cool very cool. I want to I want to say one more thing about this movie. Yeah. I love when he goes to get the snack down in the basement. Yes. And it, you know that the kitchen is well stocked. But what I think is amazing is all that food is out on the table. And I get a kick out of that is that he's making this thing and it's like if he pulled that out it, it is like a ton of food that will go that will spoil if it's not put back. That was the part that I think is funny is that it, it was like he was making that that delicious looking sandwich, but he had like a buffet of food in front of him to choose from. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to pull out the salami and pull out the lettuce. But it was just like sitting there. Yeah. And I got a kick out of that. Yeah. Well, he is the president. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it, it, it's not like he snuck down there. So like he was down there with the Secret Service guy. So he could have just called ahead and said, have, have these things sitting out. I feel like there's a Saturday Night Live skit with Bill Clinton and he's like down in the kitchen and he's making a sandwich similar to that. And there's like food everywhere. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I got to get me a private kitchen like that. Amen. Oh, wait, we're adults. We have a kitchen like that. Well, we do. I mean, I don't know that it's I have, our kitchen. I don't know that I have all those ingredients readily available. And Well, no, but that's on us. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can. Go I suppose to- you're right. Making sure someone else has those ingredients ready that would be nice. Yeah. If I could just pick up the phone and just be like, "Hey, I want some bratwurst." Oh, bratwurst! <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah, you're welcome. You realize it's eleven, right? I'm not getting a bratwurst anytime soon. Well, that's on you. You're an adult, and you could have had some in the fridge. That's you know what? Hoisted on my own petard on that one. <laughs> it's not my fault. You don't have bratwurst at home. It's true. It's very true. All right. I think it's time that I think it's time that we vote for uh, three questions. So, indeed. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? No. Nay. <laughs> I don't really care anyway. We're still going along with it. I don't care. I don't care. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions impossible to answer impossible because you don't know the answer nobody could answer that question i want to ask you a bunch of questions i want to have them answered immediately what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things i have ever heard at no point in your rambling incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought everyone in this room 
is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right. Question number one. You could enact one policy with no obstacles or bureaucratic red tape ever. What would it be? Some form of universal college education. There we go. That was, I'm going to give that one a daily double and probably because we work in schools, but I'm, I'm going to give that a, a daily double as well. And maybe it's, maybe it's universal education period. Cause it's early universal, early childhood education is just as important, if not more so. so. I, that was, I was kind of keeping my general and I was just going to say education, free education, basically. Ding, ring that bell. Cause I think the, a, a rising tide raises all ships. So indeed. So you're going to have a hard time probably finding any of us on this podcast who work as teachers to disagree with that one. Yep, I'm not going to. I'll go right along with that one. Unless Pat is like, no, I want everybody to pay for it. No, I do. I want to to charge everybody. No, I'll go along with you guys. I think that sounds really good, man. Nobody wanted to get controversial and see if we could lose listeners. <laughs> not at all. Not this time. Nope. Whatever do you mean, John? I I have no recollection of that, Senator. Come on, guys. Everybody works on a Wednesday. <laughs> this is coming out on a Wednesday. All right. Question number two: If you were president, what perk would be your favorite? So clearly, we 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 know that the job of president is not as easy as this movie makes it look. But there are quite a few perks as well. For example, you can pick up the phone and have bratwurst. And order a bratwurst. Anytime you want. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things like that. You get to throw out the first pitch at baseball games. Like, there's all kinds of stuff you get to do. What would be your favorite perk if you were president? Air Force One would be pretty cool. I was thinking about that. Like, the transportation stuff is pretty slick. Wasn't that a cool scene in the West Wing? When when President Bartlett's getting on the plane, he says, now, this is one of the best parts of being president. Colonel, <laughs> this is President Bartlett. We can go now. Like, that was that was pretty cool. I'd agree with that. What is the uh, what is the president's car that ha- – is it called the Beast that has, like, all of the – I think that It's, like, bulletproof and has the, all the countermeasures and, like, all the other crazy stuff built into it. Yeah, I think the Beast is what they call it. It's like a, a car built by Q from James Bond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Weighs a few hundred thousand tons. And here you go, double O commander in chief. If you just press the crown on your Apple watch, it will spew oil through the back of your car. <laughs> as far as transport, I would like, like living upstairs from where I work. So my compute, I don't need to worry about falling asleep in the car, coming home. Oh, be, yeah. You know, yeah, that's a solid one. But then I'm sure that anybody that's in the president's like, that's great. You can never escape. You can't leave. You can't, all that kind of stuff. So, but I, I think that would be the perk is like no commuting. I just, just walk upstairs. I would think one of the perks too would be that you could invite anybody you wanted to, to like come stay at the White House for a day or two. Oh, sure. Like, <laughs> Maury. Get out of here now. Like you could you could invite Michael Jordan to come stay in the Lincoln bedroom for a weekend. 
Yeah, you know what? That might be the best part. Like, just the people you get to meet because you're the president. Like, mm-hmm. I get to meet Michael Jordan. I get to play golf with, I don't know, whoever I want to, you know? Yeah. I can go anywhere I want, and now I'm in Delaware. <laughs> That was one of the cool things that this movie did, I thought. It, it, you know, well, kind of going off of what you just said, okay, you're one of the elite, right? You're one of the, the leaders of, of the, of the world. Well, you're the leader of three worlds. You're, you're one of the, the ruling class for a while as president. And, you know, the people in the room that are making the decisions, like the cabinet and the chief of staff. And that theme kept coming back in the movie where, okay, you're acting like the president, but you're not really the president. Like, don't ever summon me again. Like, I mean, they they really had a, we're the top of the food chain here. And what I thought was cool is the movie was able to to create that. Like the people playing the cabinet and, and all that, you know, he, he was not in awe of them, but he kind of knew the gravitas with which they they operated. But then they were able to turn those folks into like real people. Do you know what I'm saying? Like humanize them. Like they were worried what the cameras thought. They were, you, you know, like he could talk to them like a real guy, you know? Now they might look at him like, why are you talking like this isn't how a president acts? Or this president has never talked to me like this, like a regular. But I don't know. I just thought that was a cool little. Subtlety of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think mine would be the ability to, because because I, I feel like, don't they have that movie theater that's in the oh, White yeah. House? Can't the president just be like, hey, I, I want to see this. Go get this copy of this movie for me. Right. That would be mine. Right. I, it would be like, Ant-Man 3 is not out yet. Get me a copy. That's right. Ant-Man 3 is not out. Let's have a screening. Right. Call for, up those guys down at Marvel. For years, the president would get it like, done. For years, the president could have been like, just get me the Snyder cut. That's right. Maybe the president discreet, de- decreed the Snyder cut. Maybe. Mm. That'd be nice. Or those concerts that they do at the White House. That would yeah. have cool. Yeah. Right? All right, question number three. If you could pick one character from a TV show, movie, book, you can choose whatever you want, um, to be your secret service agent, who would you choose? Well, I hate to be the guy who's predictable, but I think you all know who I'm going to say. John McClane? Oh, good one. No. Admiral Akbar. <laughs> No, I think you would always know if something was a trap. <laughs> I think I want uh, I want my guy. I'm, I'm forgetting the name of the character, which has been bothering me all day. And I forgot to look it up. The character that The Rock plays in the Fast and the Furious movies. Hobbs. Thank you. Hobbs. I think that would be amazing. There it is. 
Okay, I'm going to say Elvis Dumbledore because oh, like I go. just as a as a as a like wizard, I feel like he could just handle anybody. I agree know, with that. He could just turn them into a new even if they get better. All right. Well, I am I'm going to kill two birds with one stone. And for you guys, I'm going to drop a, a link into the chat here so you can see what I'm talking about here. I'm going to go with the actual, I don't know if he's still there or if he's former, the White House chef, Andre Rush. Mm -hmm. Have you seen this guy? Because mm -mm. he could be my bodyguard and cook dinner at the same time. Ooh. Is this like a guy from Under Siege type deal? Pretty much, yes. This guy is, he was a, he was kind of a celebrity chef. He's a military veteran. He worked in the White House as a chef for four administrations. Uh, he's a retired master sergeant in the army and he is massive. Like if you look at this guy, his, his arms are larger than me. I know. Holy buckets. Look at that guy. <laughs> so I want him to be both my secret service and my chef. So he can, he can take a bullet for me, which I, just based on the pictures I've seen of him, would probably bounce off of him. Mm -hmm. And then while he's doing that, he can make me a sandwich. Sure. Wow. This is exciting. Dude's massive. Yeah, where's the, like, biopic about him? I know. I think they made it. it might have, I think it was called, like, Olympus Has Fallen. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> White House Down. Whatever movie they had, the Brute Squad. I'm on the Brute Squad. You are the Brute Squad. Mm, All right, well, folks, that is that has been our full four year term, and it is it's time for us to leave office now before we become lame ducks, which is probably not the first time someone has tried to call us that. But uh, I would agree. Yeah, yeah. So before we go, we we will tell you that uh, if you want to check out more of our show at 30podcast.com you would like to find what we're doing next we're going to get that right now in february so this month uh, this is our month of what's in a name episodes all of our regular episodes are have names in the title so this episode was dave next episode is searching for bobby fisher next one after that is benny and june and then we finish the month off with harley goes way in march we've got cliffhanger i think the theme of that one is one bad day the movies for that one are cliffhanger groundhog day True Romance, Falling Down, and The Fugitive. I'm sorry, does this burger look like the one in the picture? I just I, I just want you to tell me, does this look like the one in the picture? There. Hmm. You ever heard the customer is always right? Hmm. <laughs> All right. And then our Patreon. If you are not joining us over on Patreon, there's a bunch of bonus episodes that you can get over there. Short episodes, regular length episodes, but there's a ton of stuff you can get over there if you are supporting the show in that way. So you can support the show any amount at all gets you access to those. But if you've got three, four, five dollars a month to to put towards that, you get bonus content every single month. You're getting three bonus episodes every month over there. Plus there are some other benefits as well. We can be podcast friends with benefits. Is I think that that might not be the right way to say that. Well Got a little weird, but that's okay. That's all right. It's better than the time we we tried to advertise win a date with Patrick Canagallo. I, that one, yeah, that, we actually we, we, might have, we might have lost Patreon people for that. Lost lost a lot of good supporters that day. Yeah, 
Yeah. All right. Many. I was going to do the line from Ghostbusters. <laughs> many Bothans died to bring us this. So for the month of February, our Patreon episodes are our favorite love songs of the 80s and 90s. Staying Alive from 83 is our Patreon short, and the other Patreon short is The Dead Zone from 83. In March, our full-length Patreon episode is Octopussy from 1983. Love the beginning of that movie. Like, as, as a kid, like uh, the whole circus scene at the beginning of that movie. Uh, I always thought that was so much fun. All right. Gents, that's going to do it. And as I've said before, I always enjoy talking movies with you, so it's always good to be here and Spend an hour or so chatting about a movie. Indeed. Well, I hope the two of you gentlemen are well until our next time around, until our next go around next week when we talk about searching for Bobby Fisher. Everybody else, same goes for you. We hope you're all doing well. And I be excellent to each other, most importantly. Go watch some good movies, and we'll see you back here in a week.